They fight. They bite. They bite and fight and bite. Not itchy and scratchy. I know we talk about Simpsons a lot in this podcast. But today, Tom and Jerry, stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about animation, storytelling, and lifelong rivalries between animals. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And today we're discussing Tom and Jerry, the mouse and the cat. Although, if we said Tom and Jerry, the cat and the mouse, because the cat is Tom and Jerry is the mouse. I feel like that's more syntactically confusing because I think Jerry the cat. Right. Tom and Jerry the cat and the mouse. <laughs> yes, those two characters, those two animals back again um, on our screens this year, 2021. <laughs> Tom and Jerry. What can I say about Tom and Jerry? I feel like Tom and Jerry has an IP never taken a break since like 1940. It's always been around, but it's been like C tier around, mm. which is also a shame because of the things that I grew up watching the most as a kid, like Tom and Jerry shared with gargoyles is like the thing that I love most as a kid that has had like so little love <laughs> as an adult. <laughs> I, f- I feel like Tom and Jerry, like the early shorts are some of the best slapstick animated non-talking characters ever they're great they're classic that's why the simpsons adapted them into itchy and scratchy do they do controversial things and are they maybe the most violent of that genre and era of cartoons yes probably (laughs) Did I watch it all in the early 90s on Cartoon Network before they had Cartoon Network shows? Yes, 100%. I remember recently having a a resurgence in my personal consciousness of Tom and Jerry, the shorts. Because I feel like Tom and Jerry, and I think we'll talk about this, like turned into something that they weren't originally. So their, their purest form are those original shorts. And I, my family and I, we were at um, Melt in Columbus having crazy grilled cheese sandwiches like with like fried macaroni and cheese. These things are ridiculous. Look it up. Um, so we were at Melt and on the TV they had Boomerang going. And they show, we were showing Tom and Jerry cartoons. And Jack, my son, caught turned and caught a look at some of these Tom and Jerry things happening. And he's cracking up and losing his mind over the, these things because you don't have to hear them. You don't have to have the volume on. You just get to see really ridiculous physical comedy and violence and, you know, a, a cat's misshapen head because it got hit with an iron or it got stuck in a globe or something like Totally physical, totally ridiculous, totally fun. And he's just laughing like crazy. 
And I was like, yeah, these were funny. They are. Tom and Jerry are funny. Super funny. Do many of them deserve a content warning now? Yes, also true. <laughs> true. For various reasons. Racism <laughs> not being the least of them in some of them. <laughs> That's true. Um, but yeah, it's something I... It probably shaped my humor as a kid. I loved, while experiencing Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry at the same time, I probably loved Tom and Jerry more. Mm. Now I, I like Looney Tunes more and I appreciate it greater as a whole. Um, possibly partly because Tom and Jerry is just... I, I don't know what happened to that. Well, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory happened to that. That's like the end of the, <laughs> the journey of Tom and Jerry from the 90s through the late 2010s. As we've talked about previously in Writers Get Animated. Yeah, you could go listen to that. That's one of our most popular episodes ever. I don't know how or why. I, I guess people are, I don't know if people are like, wait, this is a thing? And then they go and listen to it. But Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and Tom and Jerry. Or is it Tom and Jerry and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? I can't remember how many ands are in that run-on <laughs> sentence of a title. It's a lot of ands. And look, here at this podcast, we try not to hate watch things. We try not to recommend things to people that we know aren't good. We try to only talk about things we like, things we have things to say about, things we're passionate about and can recommend. But sometimes everyone in the world knows that there's problems with something like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and Tom and Jerry. Right. Yeah, you finish that. Like, I mean, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory has its own issues, but I feel like we'd get a lot of hate if we ended the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and Tom and Jerry. Yeah. Um, so there, there's merit to pretty much everything we talk about in this podcast. Pretty much everything. Um, <laughs> because we are talking about Tom and Jerry 2021 today, uh, which has highs it does and has lows uh, but bonus we i didn't know about the tom and jerry new shorts they put on hbo max to coincide with this no one does and those uh, are fantastic those are the things that they should be putting out there yeah. and i know they probably don't want to take away from the movie but the tom and jerry special shorts there are there are two of them right now, right? I, yeah, they are also called special, and honestly, they have the same look and feel as the new Looney Tunes shorts. So I'm wondering yes. if they just tasked these people with like the 200 Looney Tunes that they've done of like, by the way, you should do like a couple Tom and Jerry's also because it's still Warner Brothers. It might be the same group, and maybe that's why they're special shorts. Yeah, I'm wondering about that. It did feel like the same rule as going back to the original designs of Tom and Jerry feel to like the original way that those cartoons used to be done with an updated, uh, less racist, um, less. Yeah. As I say, <laughs> I say not completely. I just said less. Because the first one takes place in a sushi shop. Um, but you know what? Both those shorts are the the what's the word I'm going for the concept of each one are things that wouldn't have happened in the original Tom and Jerry shorts but feel 100 percent 
like they'd be topics of Tom and Jerry shorts if they had existed at the time of, mm. or more th- not existed period, but like existed in American pop culture, like the sushi restaurant, right for Tom and Jerry, and then the giant cat condo thing, like, oh yes, of course we're gonna do like Tom is a cat, he's gonna have a cat condo at some point, <laughs> not in the forties. No, not in the 40s. We kept our cats in baskets. Like normal people. <laughs> You're going to build a house for a cat inside my house? What? <laughs> oh, they, I will say those were legitimately funny. Um, Jack was laughing hysterically at them because I think you're laughing not just because somebody got hit with something. Well, I mean, that is funny on its own. Like, oh, I got slapped in the face with a fish or something. But I think it's also the surprise and the reaction of Tom when he gets hit with something. It's it's never about the, I got hit with um, this thing. It's now you get to see what my face looks like after I've been hit with that thing. And that's what you're laughing at. That's unexpected. Because it's not the pain that's funny. It's the fact that they're okay that makes it funny. And to your point, in a short where you don't have dialogue for the most part, like how do you tell that character story? It's with reaction shots. Mm. That's what they're good at. That's what The Simpsons makes fun of them for. These characters don't talk, asterisk, unless it's T-Pain singing, being Tom's singing voice at the piano in the 2021 movie. Or the conceit of the 1992 Tom and Jerry movie where they just discover that each can talk all along. I still remember that trailer. Like That, <laughs> that still haunts my dreams to be like, wait a minute, you can talk? You can talk? I'm like, no, what are you doing? You're breaking it. You're ruining it. Just stop it. I mean, they they understand in some way taking a three to five minute thing and turning it into a 90 to 100, 100 and uh, how many minutes? I don't even know. Um, 70 minutes? Um, <laughs> no, 120 No, 110. It was 110 minutes with credits, I think, is the new 2021. But it's like they know that to take that five-minute thing and turn it into a full-length thing, you have to add something. And it's, it's what you add to it that either dilutes or adds flavor. But if you just... If you have like a, a gorgeous, delicious soup that tastes delicious and has the perfect ingredients, it's a tiny bowl and it's really delicious and you take that and you put it in a bigger bowl and then you're like, let's just put some water in this. <laughs> you're gonna end up with some not as delicious soup because you're just putting water in there so that way you fill up a larger bowl. You wanted a bisque, but you got like a broth (laughs) yeah there's very little flavor Mm. maybe there's a chunk that i sort of remember tastes like what i thought this was gonna taste like but you know what i love a chunky lobster bisque 
And then the studio says, you know what you'll enjoy as much? Lobster broth. <laughs> no. It sort Take of it tastes away. like lobster. <laughs> I don't want this. <laughs> also, the lobster is computer generated. So, in, in defense of Tom and Jerry 2021. Yes. I think a very strong dom- dramaturgical choice that they made was making literally every animal animated. I applaud that. I fully applaud that. It worked. It did. It works. It worked so much better. And I love that there was that obvious dramaturgical choice. We have an animated cat and we have an animated mouse. How do we make them exist in this world? Every animal is animated. Pigeons, rats, elephants. Sorry for the spoilers, folks. There are (laughs) elephants in this. The peacocks, like everything. Uh, It's so, so well done that they made that choice. And there were probably other strong dramaturgical choices in that movie as well. I, I think. Again, like you said earlier, we don't hate watch things. We didn't watch Tom and Jerry the movie because we're like, okay, here's a disaster. We're going to watch. Like, we don't watch things like that. We watch them too because we want to enjoy them. And um, I actually asked Jack to watch um, watch part of it because I, one, first I wanted to screen it. So I watched it by myself um, and make sure there's not like something inadvertently that I didn't want him to see. And then today I was asking him, hey, do you want to, I want, I want to show you something to get your reaction. He's like, I don't want to watch it. I said, I'll only show you a Bluey's episode worth of it. So seven minutes. It's like, okay. So then we're, we're watching it. And this is the first opening scene where we first meet the flying animated pigeons. He's kind of like, have we watched it? Have we watched a Bluey's amount yet? I'm like, no, we haven't. So he wasn't hip to that part. We met Tom and Jerry in the park. Tom is playing a piano, pretending to be blind to get money from folks, to get tips. Jerry arrives, ruins everything, takes over. Um, lots of laughter from Jack. He's enjoying it. And I pause it after, you know, we meet um, Kayla. I guess that was her name. Uh, how bad is that that I'm like, oh, that was her name, right? Kayla, right? I think it was Kayla, yeah. Or like Michaela. Yeah, but like people that. call her Kayla. Um, so we meet her and... Tom runs into her and she loses her job. Uh, And then I pause and Jack comes over. He says, well, can we watch one more Bluey's worth? Then he becomes invested. And we get stuff where Kayla's trying to get a job at this hotel. And there's a lot that happens there with Kayla. And... Jack pauses and he's like, great, I will, I will watch the rest of it some other time. <laughs> so, so at that point, he checked out. He was, he was done and says, I want to watch the rest of the movie, but not today. He had the full emotional journey. Yeah, he was just, okay, I've, I've seen enough. Um, so for those of you who haven't seen it yet, 
oh, do we even want to do a spoiler-free zone? <laughs> or I feel... I don't know if this is much to spoil in this. So just the whole podcast from here on out is spoiler zone for anyone who um, cares. Yeah, go go see it on HBO Max or go to a movie theater and see it or go see it on HBO Max, <laughs> however you want to see, see it, if you're interested. Um, there are some fun parts. There are some truly legitimately funny parts in this movie. Um, it, I will say this though, sometimes the movie feels a little bit like the soup, to use the soup metaphor, we have to wade through a lot of water to get to the chunky bits in the soup. <laughs> so yeah, every, every now and again, I mean, I was thinking about I, the Tom and Jerry parts, like the just Tom and Jerry parts of this movie are legitimately funny and good and well-timed. Mm-hmm. But the more I think about it, the more I think a lot of the gags that they do in those bits are just like a, a greatest hits reel of what's already been done before in Tom and Jerry. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I don't know if there's a lot of like, I'm sure some things are new and I haven't seen the oeuvre of Tom and Jerry recently enough to say like <laughs> that there's nothing original. There's probably some original good stuff. Um, I don't know the. I watched this all yesterday still, so it's still fresh. But I'm I'm more excited about the special shorts still in retrospect than I am about the movie because the special shorts do new interesting things while capturing that original spirit, mm-hmm. and the movie captures the original spirit with not as much new content, um, but also turns it into a broth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel the hard part about this is. To go to our broth metaphor, the broth that they ended up using is usually in the recent history of Tom and Jerry movies, they've been using someone else's broth. Like, let's put Tom and Jerry into Wizard of Oz. And so there's the Wizard of Oz broth, and then they just throw in some Tom and Jerry chunks into that. Let's do Willy Wonka broth, and let's drop Tom and Jerry into that. So they're constantly taking them into these different stories and dropping Tom and Jerry chunks in them. Um, Now this, the Tom and Jerry movie, which has Tom and Jerry in the title, you know, just just Tom and Jerry, it feels like the broth it used, it took Tom and Jerry and dropped them into the broth of two different movies entirely. It put them into a fish-out-of-water film starring Chloe Grace Moritz, and also a random romantic comedy starring Colin Jost and Pallavi Sharda. Like two two different movies that ended up colliding, also Tom and Jerry in there. I think for me, an equivalent dramatic structure in a movie is Ice Age, where Tom and Jerry, the Tom and Jerry parts are equivalent to Scrat, the squirrel trying to hide his acorn. Oh no! They scratched him. Ice Age them. isn't. They did scratch him. Them. Them. Uh, like, Ice Age isn't about scrap, but it has a unique structure of adding like the old school style, like Tom and Jerry style, like slapstick non dialogue shorts in the middle. So you follow like this B plot of scrap and his acorn. 
Except the movie's called Tom and Jerry, and the B-plot is not dialogue Tom and Jerry bits. Uh, hmm. I feel like... Here's, here's what I would have done. So in, in this story, you have to make Tom and Jerry important enough to carry the movie in some way. You have to make the plot necessary for Tom and Jerry. And yes, they do intersect with the Kayla character. She's riding her bike and they make her lose her job or Tom runs into her and makes her lose her job. And then she goes and finds a job in a hotel that Jerry ends up going to to try to find a better home for himself. Great. Um, And then Tom chases Jerry, ends up there, and ends up getting a job there to try to help Kayla. That's that's really, uh, if you're lost and confused, dear listeners, I apologize. But so <laughs> then they have to help this wedding happen, this main event of this wedding, and they get involved with this couple and their wedding plans. And... I don't know. For some reason, Jerry steals the ring. He wants a nice light fixture in his mouse house. Is that what it was? I, I will admit that I yeah. may have lost some of the nuance of the movie. He hung it from the ceiling to be like a, a chandelier. Um, so that's what happens. <laughs> There's, And through that, they, they have these motives where Tom is hired to catch Jerry great but i feel like tom the reason why we get tom into the hotel needs to feel a little bit more necessary so right right off the bat i think what i would have changed if if you're like okay chris here's this here's this story that we have you know you haven't made the movie yet you're because you decided to come to me first to like have a conversation about this you're like, you know, Chris, you you understand these kinds of things. Let's could you, could we tell you this idea? And I would say you need to make the Kayla character and Tom tied together much earlier. You need to take Kayla and Tom and make them, if not best friends, you know, she, he's the cat in the, her alley that she's always feeding. And she's down on her luck, and he's down on his luck, and they want a better life together. And he follows her, and she's, like, trying to find a good place. And then they find this place, and, hey, it's at this hotel. Let's get in this hotel. And guess what? Jerry already lives there. Jerry's already established, but he's really careful. But then the cat notices that there's a mouse there. And now it becomes, like... We've got to get the mouse out of there. That's that's how you do it. You do you make all these. You've created this thing where there's Jerry's story, there's Tom's story, and there's Kayla's story, and the three of them intersect somewhere randomly after the twenty minute mark. Yeah, as opposed to tying things together a lot sooner and putting people's fates together. Like there's even a section of the movie where she sends, to hopefully make things work out, she sends Tom and Jerry out to New York to go hang out to try to be friends together. 
um, but also make sure that they don't cause more problems while the wedding's going on. And I'm like, okay, so you just took the two supposedly main characters, possibly, of the film, set them out on a journey where they just live in New York for a while, and the main other plot isn't really affected by their absence? Uh, yeah, you. I saw some critics make the comparison, and I know you made the comparison also, of Roger Rabbit pops to mind. Mm-hmm. It's hard not and to. I, th- I think that's specifically because it is a hybrid live-action animated movie, and I think many other hybrid movies you see these days don't get that comparison, like Sonic the Hedgehog, because they don't have that tune look to them. So I think this is a a stylistic people see a stylistic similarity and make that comparison. And yeah, I think it is worth making the comparison here, but we're not comparing other hybrid movies like Sonic the Hedgehog to Roger Rabbit for some reason, but Roger Rabbit works as we've established in this podcast and through Chris being alive and a person (laughs) you said, um, what, how, how did you phrase it? I said that Roger Rabbit is not about Roger Rabbit, but the the main story is interesting on its own without him, but he's an integral part to that story. Like, so the story of who framed Roger Rabbit, and if we just call the movie Roger Rabbit, it'd be different. But... It's called Who Framed Roger Rabbit? And the story is, it's Eddie Valiant's story. He's the main character. He has the emotional journey. He has the character transformation. It's his story. And his story is super interesting. I mean, mostly hashtag Bob Hoskins is a god. But like, I mean, literally in Son of the Mask, because he played Odin um, in Son of the Mask. Uh, he's the only reason I watched that movie. But um, <laughs> but Bob Hoskins embodied Eddie Valiant because, and in such a way that Eddie Valiant was tremendously interesting even when there weren't cartoon characters on the screen. And because of budgets, there couldn't always be cartoon characters on the screen. So that movie had to carry itself without them. And... In Tom and Jerry, it was hard to care about the characters who weren't animated while the animated characters weren't on screen. And I don't think that's the fault of the actors per se. I think it's a story thing. I agree. Uh, thinking about what you said, I what makes Roger Rabbit work for me is two elements. There's two heats here. Mm-hmm. Not three heats, but two. Um of course, the live action actor who's the main character has to have an interesting enough story on their own. Mm-hmm. And two, the needs and story of the animated secondary characters have to be aligned with the main live action character. And as we've established for Tom and Jerry, that's not true. I was trying to think of other hybrid movies and if other ones work or follow this model. And I'm controversially, personally, Mackenzie Worrell is in team... Space Jam is okay. (laughs) 
And I think part of that is because the Looney Tunes, their wants and needs and goals are aligned with Michael Jordan's. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That sentence. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was the 90s, Chris. It was a different time until later this year when it happens again. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. Go on. But I, my problem with Space Jam is that Michael Jordan's story as a character, not an actor, as a character isn't interesting enough on its own. So it and that's where I think Space test. Jam has weakness. Yeah. And then the second test is Michael Jordan's journey in that film as a character didn't wasn't interesting enough on its own. I don't think anyone fondly nostalgically looks back at Space Jam and goes like, the best part of that movie was Michael Jordan's plot. True. It was the Looney Tunes. It was the concept of that. It was the fact that there were basketball stars there also. If the tables were turned and the Looney Tunes were the main characters, it'd be a different story. Which they but I think tried to do in Looney Tunes Back in Action, which is <laughs> a better movie than Space Jam? Question mark? Like it it tried to do everything right, but it got it hit one of the major flaws that I think also stands in Tom and Jerry, which is if you're doing a live action hybrid animated film, the live action characters have to be live action characters. They can't be cartoon characters with human skin on them. Well, that sounds like a whole different movie altogether. I mean, that was part of Roger Rabbit. Like, sorry <laughs> yeah. for the spoilers on Roger Rabbit, but but even when Christopher Lloyd, who was a cartoon with a human skin on him, like, I mean, rubber mask, it was a rubber mask, but when he, he performed totally live action. He wasn't wild and zany and ridiculous and silly and big because that's why you have the cartoons. Why would you have the cartoons in a movie if your human characters can do that? If your human characters can do that, then we just have a farce and then just do the farce. But if everything is loony and cartoony, then the animated cartoon characters don't really prop anything up, which is why in Tom and Jerry, Michael Pena was perfect. It was great. Everything he did, everything that was in that movie with him was amazing because he took everything seriously and he was authentic and pure and he wasn't big and wild. I mean, the dude got caught up in one of those cartoon fight dust clouds and still wasn't overacting and being wild and zany. He was like, I am a human. What is happening? Why, what is at the center of this cloud? This is ridiculous to me. Oh, there's the mouse. Like he was totally in it and there and present. And I think that's where, that's the third thing that I would put in it is the human characters have to be believably human. Hmm. And I think that's possibly something that Sonic the Hedgehog had going for it. I don't know. I only know from the trailers. But I think, like, even when we got to something like uh, I'll throw Enchanted, you know, starring mm. James Marsden and who was in Sonic the Hedgehog, which is why I'm making this leap. James Marsden does a lot of hybrid movies. Wow. So 
in Enchanted, we have human-based cartoon characters. But even in their human forms, they were more human and less animated than some, than the characters in like Looney Tunes back in action or some of the Tom and Jerry stuff. Like, like Colin Jost did a great job if in the romantic comedy movie that he was starring in that was like side to Tom and Jerry. But yeah. I don't, I don't it know. It was too many different movies happening. Yeah. Like I didn't really, I didn't need the couple getting married to be a character. Mm. I just need to know that there was this big event happening. It could have been, we're welcoming the queen of England and we have to have everything fancy and great for that. Awesome. That tells me everything I need to know. I don't yeah. need to see the queen on screen. Like we all know the stereotypes of the queen of England and like the fancy level that you're expected to have for that. I will say this though, that cake, having seen nailed it and stuff, that could have been more fancy. Like, I feel like if they were having that level of wedding with elephants, I feel like that cake, which was just big, that's what it had going for it. I think the wedding cake could have been a little bit more wild and the tears and like the design. Come on. And this has been Writers Get Great British Bake Off <laughs> with Chris Leva. <laughs> I just expect more out of cakes now. Okay. I just expect more out of cakes. It's been so long since anyone has had a full multi-tiered cake in their life. We've all been alone thinking about cake <laughs> and having more than just an individual slice you buy at Safeway. <laughs> I, I will say this though. Um, I, I watched it with my wife and it was after Jack's bedtime and I still laughed out loud at certain parts. Yeah. Um, my wife laughed out loud at different parts. She also did her thing where she kind of goes like, she's not even watching and just goes, huh, that's funny. <laughs> like her little like commentary of that was funny. Like, Oh, thank you for letting me know. <laughs> like, so there were, and I think most of the Tom and Jerry things, like I laughed so hard at the ridiculousness of, um, Kayla's trying to go to the boss and saying, hey, we need to hire this cat. Can we hire this cat and give him a job? And he's going to help me get this mouse. And the guy's like, well, can we put him in a jaunty hat and give him a name tag? <laughs> like, that that was really, that was perfect. Like, that was pitch perfect, that whole scene. Like, can we give him a little hat and a, a jaunty hat, I think he said. Like, it was just so good. And I laughed so hard. And then to the payoff of here's a live action hat on this animated character's head and a live action name tag. And he's walking down the hallway with like this music. I'm like, that, thank you for doing that scene. Although we were just talking about how humans need to be not cartoonish, I do think Rob Delaney does a good job being like the only like. You're allowed to have one human who's cartoonish, I think, in your movie. Right. And, I and Rob Delaney bridges that fine. He's he, the one you need for plot to, like, be on the side of the cartoons. That's it. But I don't think he was outlandish. I think he was a little bit zany in the brain. 
<laughs> but I don't think he was, he was so controlled and believed everything he said. He was authentic. I think there's a level where people go like, I'm going to do this cartoon thing. I'm in a cartoon based movie and I'm going to go wild with it. And I'm going to stop being authentic to my character and yeah. just be like elevated and hyperbolic and give a fine farcical stage performance on screen, which doesn't quite work. But yeah, his character was, I mean, it, it just hit really well. And that, that scene, like I laughed so, again, I laughed really hard. <laughs> I also really enjoyed, uh, there was a scene where uh, Colin Jost gets the skateboard, the motorized skateboard with Wi-Fi. And I'm like, why are we even talking about this? Like, why is this important? And later on uh, in the movie, you see Tom and Jerry chasing after, um, I can't pre... I can't even remember her name. In the Prita? Prita, yeah. Chasing after her um, on the motorized skateboard, having GPS on the skateboard because it has Wi-Fi. And I was like, oh, okay. I guess that that sort of makes dramaturgical that's not really, sense. That's not really how Wi-Fi works, but, but you, is you it s- connecting to every Starbucks and every corner as they're going around the city? <laughs> That would not be impossible, especially if he signed into his Starbucks account. It would know to <laughs> automatically connect, connect to those. Yeah, I, I agree. The The payoff made, if not dramaturgical sense later, <laughs> it made plot sense later. So I, I bought into it. But yeah. Also, I did like the physical comedy of the the skateboard and the drone. Like those two things coming. I was like, oh, here comes the drone, the drone, come on. And then the drone showed up and that was fun. You're right. There's some original, some definitely original Tom and Jerry bits that were enjoyable and good. Yeah. I, I, I think if they had solved the story stuff, like the one scene that grinded to a halt for me was just the whole part about getting the job you know, stealing the one person's resume and then like going in and doing the job interview. I was like, this is taking so long. I don't, I don't see why we're spending this much time in this. Like Chloe is at the end of the millennial cutoff. Like, okay, she's a millennial. We're all overqualified and she just can't get a good job in New York City. That's all I need. I don't need her to steal someone else's job. Just she can't get a job in her field and she's working crappy jobs. That's all the movie needs. Right. I didn't need the rest of the business. She could already have a job at the hotel and then just make her way up to take over something else. Yeah. Like she doesn't have to have another job somewhere else and then have to lie her way. Like that's 10 minutes you could have gotten back. I mean, I, I do enjoy the fish joke. Is he <laughs> is he the is she the aquatic aquatic manager? It's like no, she doesn't have a job here. She's a fish. Like <laughs> it was. I I get why you like the joke because it was funny, but also it does a good dramaturgical moment of establishing the rules of the world. Like yes, all the animals are animated. 
and some of them have interactions and talk, but like the humans still know that these are animals. Right. And that really grounds you perspective wise. Right. Dramaturgical limits to animated characters. That's a fish. What's wrong with you? Are you out of your mind? Let's hire this cat. Like, I mean, to be on, to be fair, he didn't want to hire the cat. Terrence didn't want to hire the cat. So <laughs> that was all the boss's idea. Like, as long as he has a jaunty hat. <laughs> so uh, that's your favorite thing that I take it. That and the whole interrogation scene with with Terrence, Michael Pena, and and Tom and Jerry, and he's just playing them against each other. Like he said this about you, and you know he said that you were this, and trying to manipulate both of them because he's playing it completely straight. He's playing completely believable that he's talking to this cat and this mouse in animal control, and like trying to pit them against each other so he could set a trap and get them to the wedding. <laughs> and if you know your if you know your animation rules, if the second that they say ele elephants are going to be used, elephants are scared by mice. Yeah. In animation rules. So stuff is going to go down. And it's, it's the Chekhov's gun of animation. It's <laughs> right. <laughs> right. There's an elephant. Oh gosh, I hope there are no mice. Oh, wait, this movie's about a mouse? Oh, gosh. Oh, dear. <laughs> or has a mouse in it somewhere in the brothy, brothy soup. So brothy. I wonder Salty. if this is going to so come back. We're, I love that we have this uh, terminology now to uh, discuss this. Yeah, at some point we'll, we'll put together like the... I don't want to say book of our wisdom nuggets, but like the 15 page essay of the nuggets we've come up with in five years. It's about cliffhangers. And here's about like brothing your soup. <laughs> don't broth your soup. You really brothed the script there. That's hard to say five times fast. Yeah. Brothed the script. Broth the story. You have a brothed story. That's what's going on. Give me some veggies. What's in your garden, man? Protein, man, protein. <laughs> yeah, so those were my favorite things, both of them, <laughs> Michael Pena. I, maybe he was just my favorite thing in everything. I mean, as a part to all the Tom and Jerry classic stuff that felt legitimately funny, like that, he, in those moments, were my favorite thing. What about for you? I'd like to see New York City again. Uh, I mean that that was nice also uh, but I think my favorite thing is the Tom and Jerry special shorts both on a roll and the house that cat built highly recommend the super funny it's hard to pick a favorite moment from them because again they don't have dialogue um, just this way the waving cat the waving lucky cat I was just thinking that Tom is the the lucky cat it's that, something I always needed in my life that was just uh, that was so well done I was like yeah. oh Waving cats. Where's Tom? <laughs> there, there he is. is. Yes. Oh, I'm good. Just don't think too hard about like why the mouse needs to eat that much fish. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just enjoy it. Those are yeah. those are enjoyable. Oh, the the one disturbing part was the nails by the feet, though. Like that that took me a little bit. That was a little rough. 
but I, I thought about that moment too. And I think what I liked that they did with the modern eyes, they didn't nail his toes down. They clearly put the nails between the toes. Right. So he was stuck. Right. But I was still like, Ooh, that's, that's a little, (laughs) that's a little too close. (laughs) All right. Should we talk uh, homework for next time? Yes, let's. Chris and I are extremely sad to report that the TV show DuckTales 2017 is coming to an end. And if there's three shows you could say that this podcast is about, it's probably The Simpsons and Star Wars and DuckTales. So we're losing one of our things. Um, So please watch the finale of DuckTales and we will talk about that and sip fine whiskey while we reminisce about DuckTales. What DuckTales has meant for us the past five years, four years. I can't do math. God, we've been podcasting longer than DuckTales has been on the air. We've outlasted a show. It finally happened. Well, it happened for BoJack, too. Yeah, I guess so. At some point, this is going to go on so long, we'll have to say goodbye to so many things. (laughs) Now, if The Simpsons ends before this podcast, that's when we know it's time to take our bow. (laughs) As As always... always. Thank you to our engineer, Nigel Cotino, and to Jacob Reed and the Champagne Drops for our theme music. You can find us on our web. Let us know what you thought about Tom and Jerry, the special shorts, or Tom and Jerry, the movie. Just let us know on Twitter, at WG Animated. Check out links and show notes at writersgetanimated.podbean.com. We love to hear from you ever. Just let us know what you think. Just please. Now, in the words of Tom the cat, yeah, because that's all he's supposed to say if you do it right. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>